Hello and welcome to the Virgin Media Play Podcast, for the very best coming your way this season. Movies, TV, streams, sports and just about everything else, if it's on screen, it's on this podcast. Coming up, we look ahead to kick off the UEFA Champions League with Graeme Souness and Brian Kerr. We hear from the writer and director of Darklands, one of the biggest new shows of the season, but first, you might know him as Superintendent Ted Hastings in Line of Duty, or as Jim Hogan in Blood, but whatever character stands out, everyone loves the one and only Adrian Dunbar. He was recently a judge at the Virgin Media Discovers short film competition, where more than 600 entries were vying for a €35,000 prize, and even though we're not one rank superior, he agreed to be questioned. Ultimately, you're looking for something that's a, a really good story, that you think uh, your audience are going to get engrossed by and drawn into and ultimately, you know, uplifted possibly at the end and, you know, something that's uh, exciting, that has, uh, you know, an Irish flavour to it. I like things that are coming from uh, an Irish perspective. So, uh, yeah, that's what we were looking for. And also, and also get a good sense of what the people were like you know, a lot of the time and things like this, you're backing people as well as the script, you know, to be able to deliver it in the way they say they're going to do it. Actors do spend their time reading scripts, so therefore we have a good handle on what's going to work. And uh, luckily for me, you know, we had 600 entries and the guys got it down to five, which was a mammoth task in itself. And the five that we that we read and uh, the five pitches that we got were very, very strong. These decisions aren't easy, and uh, so we'll keep our fingers crossed and made the right one. The stories that people want to tell in Ireland these days come from a really broad spectrum. There was a lot of uh, stuff coming from the LGBT community. There was a lot of stuff coming from, uh, you know, a lot of dark stuff, uh, stories, a lot of comedy, a lot of, you know, all different, you know, straight drama, all kinds of different stuff coming at us. Uh, in the 10 minute shorts. I mean, when I came into the business way back in 1900 and frozen to death, the, uh, you know, you would have found it very difficult to have uh, an Irish film festival. You know, you would have found it very difficult to find 12 films or 14 films to put them up there. And all of those films would have been probably made by UK or US filmmakers made in Ireland. And there were very few, I mean, until John Borman came along and made Excalibur and then, you know, Neil Jordan and Jim Sheridan came along, we didn't have Irish film. It just wasn't there. There may have been a few things. Of course, there were some, you know, we had Misha Era, of course, and we had Searsha and we had uh, some earlier uh, black black and white films made uh, uh, in the 20s and so forth and 30s. But, you know... We now just think about it. Think about how many films we have, uh, Irish features. I mean, you know, it must must go over a hundred at least Irish features now that we can select from. For, and some of those were really groundbreaking when you think of, you know, made a huge impact. Name of the Father, My Left Foot, Crying Game. You know, you think you think of films, Garage. You know, you think of those type of films. A really incredible. Films. I even include my own film here, my song that I wrote, amongst all that. There'll be more from Adrian later in the podcast, but first we thought we'd hear from the winners. We're going to be very careful here. Cluster Fox 
Films, nailed it, Tiernan Williams and Cardboard Gangsters star John Connors. They told us about their entry, Innocent yeah, Boy. It's, it's, I suppose it's a film about a, a young boy and uh, he's from the travelling community and I suppose he's going through uh, certain trials in life. Um, he has a, a hearing impairment and I suppose he's dealing with the conflict of bullying and being seen as an outsider within his community that in some regards are probably seen as a community of outsiders. So it's a it's a, an underdog story in some regards. Do you feel it's one of those stories that's kind of important to tell? Because I guess, you know, as Tiernan mentioned, there are sort of issues of the travelling community or physical disability or anything like that that, you know, maybe aren't talked about enough. Well, the biggest issue among travellers is the suicide rate. 11% of travellers die by suicide. It's the highest suicide rate in the world per capita of any people. It's an epidemic. And uh, suicide is a theme that runs through this film. And toxic masculinity, um, which has become a very popular saying nowadays, but uh, to me it's something that's very serious because what's not said becomes a symptom. And uh, men just don't talk, and, uh, and that's a huge problem in the traveller community. So how did the project actually come about? Is it something that you've been working on for a while now? Um, we got a we got a, a script uh, well a, a short story sent to us really I suppose we developed a script from um, from uh, I suppose a young traveller uh, in from Limerick uh, William William Casey yeah brilliant brilliant short story so we spo- I suppose we developed the script from there and we've been kind of wanting to to, to develop for for a while and then obviously with the with the Virgin Media. Um, opportunity in regard to just sending it in and we uh, we decided to develop it for this competition so and i suppose what what attracted you to the competition or, or what do you think it, it it means so to speak what what caught your eye 35 grand <laughs> <laughs> we're sick of making films for nothing and free would and spending all the resources and favors uh, and then also you get the premiere in uh, the dublin festival the virgin media festival which is a big thing um but yeah i know we're at the stage now where we need support i mean we haven't got any sort of funding support as thus far in our careers as filmmakers and uh, with our production company cluster Fox films and uh, we need a break and i think this 30 with this thirty-five thousand euro we can make a powerful short film that people will not forget in terms of short films, uh, often I suppose probably seen as being a sort of a distant cousin really of the real thing, but they very much do serve a purpose and are probably coming back in vogue now. Yeah, well if you look at kind of I suppose common culture, common culture, you know, people want to distill a piece of information really quickly. You look at a social media, people are in and out, you know, minutes. They, 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 want, they want their hit, they want the information within minutes so I suppose short film is is quite important because it does respond to that kind of impatience really but I suppose more importantly as filmmakers it's great for us because it gets us to distill everything within a very very short period of time and we can make kind of films that are you know have huge huge impact um, in, in, in a short period of time and that's great for refining your skills if you're moving on to bigger films. You'll be able to catch Innocent Boy as part of next year's Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival, where it would do very well to share the success of Maiden. That documentary, about an all-female sailing team, was the winner of the Audience Award at this year's festival, and it was also the featured attraction at our recent secret screening at the Stella Theatre. It was followed by a Q&A with director Alex Holmes and producer Victoria Gregory. It was a, a kind of a journey to try and find all the, all the footage. It was like we met with Tracy after Alex had met her, and it was like, yeah, no, no, it's, um, we, we've got this footage. And it was like, great, great, where, you know, is it in the attic, or where is it? And she was like, well, we, we don't really know. So we had to go on a journey, kind of quite literally around the world as well, and uh, just to kind of discover where all this stuff was, and kind of piecing it together as well with the, the footage from the other boats, and also 
the crew themselves with lots of photographs, lots of stills, and Tracy's mum, she was a, a great collector of yeah, information. Tracy, Tracy's mum had re- tried to record every single uh, news item that featured Tracy off-air. So we had this box of VHSs that was kind of like a bit of, a bit of an interview with Tracy interspersed with a bit of Inspector Morse, then a bit of Midsummer <laughs> Murders, then a bit more of Tracy. Um, but at least it was a clue as to, to, to where some of this footage might exist because what had happened was as they went round the race, at the end of each leg, they would just basically offload their tapes to the local news organization, whatever the, whatever the local broadcaster was that was covering the race. They would then pull that footage and it would get distributed to other broadcasters. So it was literally scattered to the four corners and nobody had collected the original tapes back together and carefully catalogued them and <laughs> taken care of them. I know it's perhaps a little uncouth to talk about awards sometimes, but... Winning the Audience Award at the Dublin International Film Festival this year. It's the best award there is. Exactly. I mean, as a filmmaker, who are you making films for? You're making them for the audience. And and it's my greatest thrill. That's why, you know, I can tell you it's not easy making a documentary for the cinema. It's really hard. I I did some maths the other day. I reckon I earn less than the minimum wage making this film. Um, And that's, that's absolutely serious. I literally earn less than the minimum wage making this film. Um, but it's worth it when you get to share it with people and you get to short, share a story that you care about and you find that other people can care about it. That's a, that's a, a shared experience that you don't get making things for television um, that, that you, know, you, can, you, can, you can go and do ads and you can do, go and do this and that and the other, but the, the thing that keeps us in this industry is sharing films with audiences and getting that reaction. And you'll find more from Alex in our exclusive interview in the new issue of Play Magazine. It's available now at virginmedia.ie forward slash play11. One of the season's most anticipated debuts is Darklands, a brand new homegrown drama hitting screens next month. We got the lowdown on what to expect from writer and director Mark O'Connor. A young um, 16-year-old kid who's a teenager is in his last year in school and he's... um, He's a, he's a, he wants to be an MMA fighter, so he's an amateur uh, MMA fighter. And his brother, uh, Wesley, is involved in gangland, you know. Um, and the brother goes missing. So Damien, uh, played by Dane, um, he has to slowly try to find out what happened to his brother. So he, he starts to hang out with the brother's friends, and he slowly gets sucked into this world, you know. And... Um, the effect of Wesley going missing on the family it has a, hu- a huge effect on the family and the family starts to break down and uh, this starts to feed into, into Dane's psychological, you know, um, what's going on with him. Um, and it's a slow metamorphosis um, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a normal kind of school kid, you know, and the change and, and how he changes through circumstance. It's crazy, like, it's kind of surreal to finally see it on screen, like, you know, clips from it because... It has been, like, we've been developing it for four years, and it's, you know, it's, it's gone through many different forms, and originally it was set in the inner city, and now it's set in Bray, which actually fits perfectly for the show. Um, um, and, but to see it finally on screen now, you know, and seeing it in the edit, is, it's, it's amazing, to be honest, you know. Darklands will air on Virgin Media 1 in October. Now we turn our attention to the UEFA Champions League. Once again, every game will be live on Virgin Media Sport, and for many of them, you'll be in the company of Graeme Souness and Brian Kerr. 
in each of the last two years, all the English teams have got through. It was four last year, it was five the year before. Um, I don't see any reason, looking at the draw, why that won't be the case this year. I, I, I think all four are capable of getting through their groups. Um, I think the draw has worked out quite well for them. Chelsea's is probably the, the trickiest. Ajax, Valencia and Lille, that might be the trickiest. Manchester City should be straightforward. Um, Liverpool should be straightforward. Nap- Napoli will obviously give them a match. And uh, Salzburg and Genk shouldn't be a problem. And in Spurs' case, they, they, they'll obviously bear Munich are, are the big team and that. But, you know, Olympiacos or Red Star, Spurs should be... Well capable of getting the points they need. They, they, they made it difficult for themselves last year. They only got one point from the first three games. They had to pull her out over the last three games and they did their stuff. But they just about got through. But then having got through pre-Christmas, they regrouped and did their stuff in the knockout stages, hammered uh, Dortmund and then they were up and off and running and, and then they had a magnificent win in the semi-final where it looked like it was Ajax into the final all the way until the last few minutes of the game. But I, I think English clubs will get through. The way the draws panned out for Liverpool, City, Chelsea and Spurs, they, they'll all believe they can get out of the groups and then see what happens after that when it gets to the knockout stages. But the groups, the group, I think, for all of them, I don't think it'll be too, too much of a problem for them. Our English teams are particularly strong. Um, I think Liverpool and, and City are, 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 for me, favourites for the competition, along with Barcelona. I think Barcelona, regardless whether they get Neymar or not, will be there or thereabouts, simply because of Messi. You know, Barca have a bad night, but Messi has a good night. They'll still win games. City will look in the last two years how they've been unlucky. Liverpool, they'll feel they were unlucky against Liverpool two years ago. They will feel that luck was against them when they played Tottenham last year, and they'll think this is their year. But Liverpool are going into it with their tails up. They're the champions. They, once you win that trophy once, you know you get a taste for it, and you feel you can beat anyone, and that's where Liverpool are right now. I think it'll be hard to match up to some of the stuff we saw last year, some of the extraordinary turnarounds in the second legs of the ties. But what we have seen now is that there is a is a change in outlook of teams, both home and away. Teams go for it, where traditionally they would have sat in and played on the counter attack away from home. We see teams now valuing the away goal. We saw Manchester United going to PSG and win the away from home. We saw Ajax going to Real Madrid and pulverising them away from home. We saw them do it to Juventus. We saw Spurs losing at home to Ajax and eventually winning the game at Ajax. So I'm doing very well, I have to say, at Barcelona too. So I think that has added to the sort of football we're seeing, the excitement we're seeing, the the goals we're seeing, and the sense of we don't know what's going to happen. The results aren't predictable. And, you know, when... when, when Barcelona led 3-0 going into the game against Liverpool in the first leg. There weren't many saying Liverpool will turn this around. Neither were there many saying Spurs will turn this around at 3-0 down into the second half of the match against Ajax. So that unpredictability uh, and intrigue, I think, has us all feeling we're waiting to see anything happening. It might happen. You never know. Keep watching. There's only one place to see every game, and that's Virgin Media Sport. Okay, so back to our interview with Adrian Dunbar, discussing blood and line of duty. Let's talk about blood for a moment. When you first came across that project, did you know that it was something special and something that you wanted to be involved in? From right from the get-go, I thought the, the writing was excellent. I thought Sophie was a very talented writer. 
Uh, we had work to do on the script, I could see that, but I knew it had a really good chance that if everything went right for it in terms of, you know, the, the casting and who was going to, uh, the, the technical aspects of it, how it was going to look. We had Sophie and Jonathan, who, Jonathan Fisher, the producer, who we all worked, collaborated on the script. Uh, we had Carolina Main, who turned in an incredible performance. We had, you know, Lisa... Uh, Mulcahy, who was directing the first block, who gave it a comp- wonderful style, along with the you know Kate McCull- McCullough, who's uh, the the DOP was absolutely amazing at giving it a a look that we've stuck with. So, you know, those things came together, but right from the get go, I knew it had a very good chance. We tend to do the kind of gritty urban thing really well, you know, wet down streets, coloured lights at night, you know, blues and twos going. But this is different. This is uh, this is an Ireland that we all know. It's the countryside. It's visceral. It's uh, you know. So I think it's got great strengths, and I think we're gonna we're playing again to those strengths, and a lot of the characters are showing up again. So I think uh, I think the audience hopefully will will we'll get it uh, as another screening. That the first series will go out again and prime our audience to come in on the the back of the second series because there are echoes in series two, of course big echoes and storylines that follow through from series one so it, it is good if you can watch series one so yeah i think then expect the same stuff but different your life at times must be full of just questions regarding line of duty i mean you know i'm consistent all the time i'm asked uh, about line of duty of course and uh, you know what's happening with it where it's going all that type of thing but of course we don't know. We really don't know what's happening in Line of Duty. We don't know where it's going. Jed keeps all that to himself. Uh, we start the new series in February. It's to shoot it in February in Belfast next year. And uh, at that point, a few weeks before that, we will get maybe two episodes to give us, give us a heads up as to where the new series might be going. So up until that point, we simply kind of sit around keeping our fingers crossed that we're not going to die. Because, of course, Jed is very, you know, he's very handy at killing off anybody. So we just kind of worry all the time that we're going to live or die. So uh, hopefully I'll be alive uh, in the next series. And uh, we we might even find out who H is. I don't know. Unlike Blood, uh, I don't think I thought that Line of Duty was going to go to a second series. And uh, if it did, um, I think we all more or less thought that it was going to be about, you know, a procedural drama and that Lenny James was going to be the lead and uh, because we didn't know what was going to happen at the end because no one, none of us had seen the script. So anyway, Lenny gets wiped out at the end of the first series and we think, well, that's the end of that. And then it took a little while for BBC Two to say yes to a second series. And so that came as a surprise. And then it came as a surprise as to who was being kept on. At this point, you start to realise that maybe Jed Mercurio has got a kind of rather bigger idea of how it's all going to go than the rest of us. Episode one of series two went out and the numbers were not good. And then halfway through episode two, suddenly an audience started to arrive to watch it. And it just kind of took off from there, and we suddenly were getting the biggest numbers on uh, BBC Two that they'd ever got, uh, which then, of course, led to us being transferred onto BBC One, which was also a bit of a risk. We were kind of happy being the biggest thing on BBC Two, but 
they moved us to BBC One, and guess what? Our numbers got bigger there. I think a lot of that's got to do with, uh, you know, the writing, of course, but also because Martin Comston and Vicky McClure are such accessible actors, you know, and I think the combination of the three of us together in the middle of it all. Of course, audiences that over the years now have come to know those characters pretty well, so they're really interested in those characters. So hopefully maybe we'll concentrate a little bit more on Martin's character or Vicky's character in the next series. I'm not sure whether that's in Jed's mind, but, uh, you know, I think I'm due a rest. <laughs> One thing that I suppose you might not see coming is that you've pretty much got a catchphrase from this show now. Typically the area of sketch comedians or something but are people shouting at you about bent coppers as you're trying to do the tesco shop and stuff these days yeah well yes that does happen i mean you know the guards did pull up in front of uh eddie rockets the other day when i was standing there and uh, i said to them i hope you two guys aren't bent coppers so anyway they thought it was hilarious anyway one of the guys said to me you know what i've learned more from watching you he says in 30 years being a guard <laughs> And that's it for this Virgin Media Play podcast. For even more, you can check out Play Magazine, that's virginmedia.ie forward slash play11, and please rate and review on iTunes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll have another one to look forward to soon. Until then, stay entertained. <laughs>